You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where you would like me. When I'm angry. Trust me, if you've heard one of my rants or you do hear one of my rants, you'd know exactly what I'm talking about. Go back if you haven't and listen to the Deflate Gate rant. Who am I? I'm your host, Justin Embleznesky, the hopeful bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show, especially any conversations about Nazis, because that's probably illegal right now for my co host joining me. This trip from Deutschland, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, which I don't know how they would even respond to that over there. William Green. Hello, hello. Yes, I'm uh, in lovely, uh, a lovely town just north of, on a disclosed location, just north of Nuremberg. Uh, no, I am not on trial. Uh, my uh, war crimes have, have not uh, yet reached to that level. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> you know, I love, love coming out here. I have family out here and. Um, it's, uh, going to be a great time, uh, starting, uh, uh, working with a new, uh, a new company out here. So, uh, getting settled and oh, you're there I'll be back to California. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, doing some onboarding work with, uh, with the new job. And so, uh, and then, uh, also getting to see my sister, she's stationed out here at one of the, uh, air force bases. And, um, I got to see her this weekend while I was jet lagging, which was, which is always hilarious. Uh, I played the, the, the worst game of Monopoly I've ever played because I, I kept, uh, towards the end, I was deliberately dozing off in between, in between turns, uh, cause of how jet lagged I was. But, uh, but isn't was that good. just a normal game of Monopoly? <laughs> yeah. Monopoly can't get boring. That's true. But Justin, I have to, I have a rant for you. I have a Justin level rant for you for, uh, for being out here in Germany. Uh, they are absolutely nuts out here with their energy efficient items let, let let's just like think about this for a second i german engineering you know we've all heard the the, the uh, you know the stereotype of german engineering being like far superior to uh to uh, most uh, other countries engineering uh i'm here to tell you their washer and dryers don't work their dishwashers don't work they literally don't work my my i i have i've I did some laundry on my last German visit, and uh, we got into it even on this German visit uh, about the about the washing washer and dryers. First of all, to be energy efficient, they are extremely tiny. So, like, imagine a military person. Yeah, like he joked, he can, he can only do three quarters of his uniform at a time uh, because it won't hold all of the uniform parts in in one wash load. Um, but th- but that's not just anything. If you don't use the quick wash cycle, which basically just spritz it with water and stirs it around a little bit and tells you it's done. It will literally take hours. We're talking like four hours to do one load of laundry. Forget dishes. It's it, the machine. If you do the, the normal cycle, it's something like four and a half hours. Um, and the dryer, Justin, the dryers. First of all, they don't have an external vent. So you know what they do? They capture and collect because that's letting heat out, right? That would be inefficient. They capture and collect in a little tray all the cond- condensed water that would have gone outside. And and so while you're waiting the approximately six to eight hours for your laundry to dry, you have to empty that tray 
of water. Otherwise, the dryer will shut off because the water tray is full. How often do you have to empty that? How wet are your clothes? I live in Florida. <laughs> so, so that's that's my uh, uh, energy efficient rant. Like, just think, like, I, as an engineer, it just it just tilts me uh, as as us gamers say off the planet because it's like you're having to do more loads of laundry. You're having to wait longer for the items to be done. Running a dryer for six hours to get the clothes dry cannot be energy efficient in any planet, right? Like, I don't care how efficient, quote unquote, the dryer is, because the, the fact that you have to run it for so long to do to, to get any amount of clothes dry automatically disqualifies it, right? Like the, the electricity to run it just doesn't work. I, one of one of my uh, one of my sister's friends who uh, lives on the economy, he, he in other words, he doesn't live on base, talks about how he has to meticulously go around and unplug every single item, but when he when he like leaves on a deployment, because otherwise his, his electricity bill will be something like fifty dollars. Just from like, you know, like the random things that get left plugged in, right? The things that are in sleep mode. So I guess that's probably why all of these things are so energy efficient because energy just costs so much out here. Maybe that's the cause. But uh, yeah, I, 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 it, it, it bothers me because it's like people are genuinely living worse here and just have no idea, right? Justin, how long does well, it take you to argument. do one load of laundry? Complete from, from throwing it in the washer to pulling it out of the dryer. Well, I mean, I just did it before the podcast and everything folded and put away. I put in everything at 845 and was done by 1145. Yeah, that would be a multi-day thing in, in Germany. Yeah, and that's all my clothes. So yeah, I just put yeah. all my workout clothes and my, my, my work clothes together and my, my weekend clothes together. So that's all my clothes. That's not like three quarters of my uniform. Yeah. But well, wait, and, this uh, is... Everyone's preparing out here for the uh, natural gas prices to be astronomical this winter. Uh, my, one of my, 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 the poor friend I was just referring to is talking about how he's just not going to turn on the heat this winter. So, good well, luck. That's exactly good what luck. you're good saying luck. about their living conditions getting worse. Because what it is, William, is it's the mask principle in COVID where it feels like or seems like you're doing something, so you do it, even though it's not an improvement. So logically, you would think, oh, if my appliance is smaller, it would use less energy. But really, all that's doing is making it so your quality of life is less. Because let me ask you this, uh, William. When you were telling this story, my first thought was, well, why would I just not go back to hand washing and drying everything? Because that would People take do less that. time at this point. People do that. They they would rather hang their clothes to dry in their uh, spacious bathrooms. By the way, a lot of I've been in a lot of German houses this weekend, seeing different friends, and the ones that are German houses, boy, their bathrooms are huge. But anyways, yeah, that's what well, they use the extra the... space in the bathroom for is to put the, hang up all their clothes to dry. Well, that's the South Park joke about the German Scheiser videos, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, um, that's dude. What you said is exactly my complaint about Europe in general is they don't realize how much worse they're living. And I know people are going to be like, that's American exceptionalism, blah, blah, blah. It's not, it's literally an objective look at things. I never realized how good I have it. I've been to Europe twice in my life and both times I went there, I came back and I was like, wow, I have it really good where I am. The first time was I went to Europe was between seventh and eighth grade. And that's really 
one of the most formative events in my life because it's exactly what you said. I got there and I saw everything and I was like, people live like this. Don't they know you can live so much better? And I think that's sort of the thing when people come here too, and they don't sort of take on the ideas or take on the habits they need to, to perpetuate the lifestyle that they think that this is just the way it is. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Because people uh, think it's the way it is. Yeah, I, that, you know, I, I I had a you know a flash thought uh, when we were discussing this last night. Uh, um, uh, amongst them, there were some uh, a couple German locals and uh, and then some uh, expats and some Americans all sitting around the table. And I, I was jokingly saying, "Oh, I'll make a fortune. I'll smuggle in some real washers and dryers." And my German friend said, "Most Germans wouldn't even see that. Like they wouldn't even you wouldn't be able to tell them or explain to them or communicate to them that it's better. Right? They wouldn't get it." Right. They're just so used to it. Right. Like the, the, uh, it's the, uh, frog in the, uh, in the boiling water sort of thing. Right. Like this has been turned on right. so slowly. He's like, he's like, they wouldn't, they wouldn't get it. They'd be like, well, so, you know, I, I do laundry. It's fine. Right. Right. And, and to sort of take this to a little bit more of an abstract place, this William is the most difficult thing about teaching and coaching. Everybody gets used to whatever the little, culture or atmosphere is in their house in their family and then when you try to tell them there are other habits and other ways of living they they don't understand it so you can tell them 10 times no do it this way but their brain and body is programmed to do it another way that it's it's so hard to break that instinct and that's teenagers who their brains are still forming so imagine adults who their brains are fully formed and they're not as plastic yeah yeah plastic wasn't Maybe. the word no plasticity. Uh, yeah. Yeah, plasticity yeah yeah well don't don't uh for our german listeners out there do do not think this rant is uh anything against german culture the german people i love it out here i love visiting out here i'm gonna enjoy uh uh all the sites I can see around here uh, in Nuremberg. And um, if you have any suggestions uh, uh, for the places I should see while I'm around this area, this is a new area to me. So uh, uh, hit them up in our Discord and uh, let me know because I'm, uh, I'm very excited to walk around. I've got a car this time so I can drive around a little bit too and I'm um, going to try and see as much of Germany as I uh, – at least this area of Germany as much as I can over the next couple of weeks. That's awesome. And also don't take it as us saying that – there's nothing wrong with America and there's no farce here just because oh, William's boy. there right now. And he's seeing the farce doesn't mean there's no farce. Here. In fact, there's a lot here and we're going to get into it in life on the midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash Locals. We accept any and all support, including perhaps especially affirmations. All right, we're going to start this week, William, with another edition of the most magical farce on earth. And I feel like we need a soundbite for that. 
Like I, okay. I'm picturing at the end of it, the uh, the fake Mickey laugh from South Park. Remember when they had Mickey as a character and he always did that fake laugh? Like yeah, making fun of Mickey Mouse's laugh, and this somebody saying the most magical farce on earth, and like the style of the old. Remember when ABC used to have like the Disney movie of the week or whatever? Oh, those so are the days. Like that. that intro, that whole intro was uh, when I was a kid. It's exciting. You hear that on the TV, you're like, oh, let's go watch some some yes. cool Disney thing. Right. But when we look at Disney now, man, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening, and it's not always uh, the movies. And we'll get into. Uh, We'll get into one of the shows here in a minute, right? We're actually going to give that its all own discussion. That's not even part of the most magical farce on earth. Right now, though, I want to talk about something that happened at Disney World this week. And what's part of what makes this so farcical, William, is I don't even hear about this stuff until, uh, you know, it's in a, in social media or on the web or some website, right? A lot of times Walt Disney World news uh, pops up. It's a website, WDWNT.com. Try and figure out that acronym. Say that 10 times fast. And it's, it's like Disney's its own ecosystem over there. And one of the things that happened, which is crazy, is a 15-year-old boy was trespassed because he had a handgun in his Gucci bag. So he was trying to get into Animal Kingdom. And when you walk into the parks, I don't know if they still had or if they had this yet, William, when you visited here last. It's just you walk between two bars sort of like remember when you walk out of stores and it like checks if you have a tag on your merchandise and it goes off it's similar to that and they can like scan you just from walking in shows you how sort of obsolete um airport security is right it's not even it's it's higher quality than a metal detector so you walk in and they tell you whether you know to go right to have your bag checked or just to keep walking through it makes things pretty quick but they found this bag in the kid's gun when he walked through that. And then he told them that he had no idea the gun was in his backpack. Here, here's some more details. In this story, William, I like the more you read this story, like the further you go into it, it gets more insane to me. So first of all, they're from Alabama. How do you go? And I guess you could drive, right? <laughs> so I'm going to assume they drove, right? But how do you go, first of all, the fact that it's a Gucci backpack, right? And then how do you go from Alabama to Disney World with that in your backpack and you don't know? Here, here, here we go. The boy's mother said they had been on a Walt Disney World family vacation from Alabama. Before they left for the trip, the boy's 26-year-old sister gave what appeared to be an empty green Gucci backpack. That's a quote, what appeared to be an empty green Gucci backpack. It sounds like, like they had a lawyer representing them. Like, just random people from Alabama know to say it like that, to protect themselves legally, for the family to use at the parks. His mother, who also didn't know about the gun either, had put the juice boxes and snacks in the backpack. So, William, this sounds like the sister was setting them up, but also, before you fill a backpack, don't you look to see what's in it? Like, can you imagine just, like, opening a backpack and throwing (laughs) in juice boxes and snacks? I, I, first of all, I, I haven't walked through this in my head. So first of all, people in Alabama buy Gucci bags. Now that's just a joke. <laughs> I know that, but that, that's the, you know, that's the stereotype, right? Like it doesn't fit the stereotype. Right. Alabama. Um, but I can tell you, yes, they do. Uh, but the second thing is, would you, if you lift the bag, it would feel like something's in it, right? Like I, I, I'm no Gucci well, I bag expert. So. Maybe I, I mean, you know, I, I checked my game, game privilege. And I, I still haven't found it. But uh, I don't even know 
I, like I'm imagining like my backpacks, when I pack them, they're empty. Maybe, maybe people pack them with stuff already in them. I don't know. But like, if, I feel like you would lift the bag and feel the gun or feel the weight of the gun. Right. So that's how that's much odd. does a handgun weigh? Would you say? It, I, I don't know. I, would, I was going to look up this model. And I didn't have time. Uh, you know, they do make very small guns. Uh, my mom, who is packing at all times because she has a concealed carry permit, um, she has a very small uh, handgun, right? Very, very small and light handgun. Um, so they can make very small and light handguns. But I would say, I mean, if you're talking a 9mm, that's that's fairly heavy, right? That's, that's uh, I would say uh, definitely more than an iPad in weight, okay? So, and, and you would notice your iPad in your backpack if you went to lift it, right? If, the, if, it was, if you thought it was empty and your iPad was in it instead. Okay, so I did just Google it, and I mean, the first site that came up, I don't even know what the site is, IMFDB, I guess it's the Internet Movie Firearm Database.org, says an, a Lorcan L25, uh, it, its length is 2.3 inches, its barrel length is 4.6 inches, and it weighs 0.9 pounds. So, All right, so about a if pound. It's that small, right, so this is one of those, like, James Bond would have in his pocket, right? To not seem like he has a gun. It's like the yeah. extra one. Yeah, but it's like having an a a a, a small water bottle, though, right? In your yes. bag. It's about that. Heavy. And you would feel that. Yeah. Okay. Then to continue this, right? Because this 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 gets crazier, right? Mm-hmm. This gets crazier. For about two years, the boy's sister owned a gun, a black handgun with pink on the grip. The boy's mother said. Now I'm assuming this comment's a lie because of the rest of this. The sister's gun matched the description. A semi-automatic black Lorcan with the pink grip model L25 of the one found in the backpack at Disney World. Okay. Here we go. Here's the twist. However, that gun authority said was stolen. Authorities tracked the gun's owner to a woman from Alabama who said her Lorcan black and pink handgun was stolen from her vehicle on May 23rd, 2022, about a month earlier. So this is what I'm thinking. Hold on. Let me guess. Go ahead. Was it in a Gucci backpack? Oh, you think the whole backpack was stolen? I'm just asking. And also, this is a nice Jewish family from Alabama, right? Uh, I mean, I have no idea. Did the article say what their... No, and I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it, which only means one thing. Go ahead. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to cancel in Germany. They might arrest me. Okay. (laughs) It means they were Jews. (laughs) It means they were Nazis. Whatever's going to get you canceled in Germany. Yes. I mean, I think it's a valid theory. I think it's a valid theory. But regardless, right, regardless of that, the levels of not checking, like, this is what I don't understand. So let's say the backpack's stolen. Do you not check the backpack before giving it to your 15-year-old brother? I would guess so. I don't know. This is so strange. This is the story just gets this is a this is a whole different level of farce. It's a whole different level of farce because even the mother seems to be lying very easily. Right. It's like how how quickly are uh, what appeared to be an empty green Gucci backpack and saying, oh, my 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 daughter's had this for two years. Right. But it matched the description. How quickly and easily is that mother lying? And, and the overall point of this, William, for me, is 
we talk about gun violence in this country, right? Yeah. And we want to yeah. blame the guns and we want to blame gun control, right? Isn't this a perfect example of how people don't treat A, their own property seriously and B, handguns seriously. So yeah. let's pretend the backpack's not stolen. Before you hand the backpack off to somebody, you should check it to see if it's empty or not. If they're using it at Disney World. Also, you shouldn't use a Gucci bag at Disney World, right? I, yeah. I think it's enough that everyone's using those Lululemon new... Um, they're not... Uh, what are the ones you used to wear? Fanny packs. Where Have you seen now the new trend is to wear fanny packs around your tor- uh, upper torso? Right? Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. Wearing the Lululemon ones is enough because those are expensive. Those are like, what, $100 because it's Lululemon. But why would you wear a Gucci backpack in Disney? And then the idea that this is how we treat gun safety, right? I mean, William, you're a gun owner. You go to gun ranges. Doesn't this break every rule of gun safety for gun ownership? It does. It does. I, I, I can't imagine losing track of my gun. It, like let's say let, you know let's believe the 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 sister story i can't imagine le- losing track of it like ooh i left it in my bag right like it's either on me as in i'm carrying it or it's in its case or it's in its secure storage at home right like the, the, those are the right. only options or i guess i'm shooting it like <laughs> i forgot that option right, right. i'm currently <laughs> actively shooting it <laughs> right and and if the bag is stolen who steals a bag and doesn't look inside of it yeah, I don't you know. You know what I'm saying? If the bag is stolen, we I have bet, to assume I, well, what if it, what if the well it what about the gun owner that left it in their car? Uh I right. guess you kind of have to in certain situations though because of the uh, the way the laws are, right? Certain places you can't go in with your with your guns. So if you're packing, you have to leave it. Well, so someone smashes you in your car and, and and grabs it then Let me ask you that though cuz I don't know as as a non-gun owner. Wouldn't you then like have a box or something in your your car to put it in, rather than just yeah. leaving it in a, a backpack? Yeah, I wouldn't leave it in a backpack, that's for sure. Yeah, I do have a case that I put it in, and I lock the case. Um, and that's, you know, partly because of California law, it has to be locked, and, and you have to lock your ammo separately when transporting it down in California. But it's just a good idea in general to uh, put it in a locked container. You know, you don't so shove it in your really glove box. what you're really saying is this is I guess this is Alabama's fault. But I, I, I blame Alabama and the, uh, well, I would, uh, to me, the glove box would be more logical than a random backpack. It would be to me. Yeah, I think it would be. Right. Yeah. And, and some and most th- people's glove box locks. So even that, that sort of would make logical sense to me. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Let's not forget. This is a Disney world story. We're not talking about somebody who went into the mall. We're not talking about somebody who went to a shooting range. We're not talking about somebody who went to the airport and this was found out. This is such negligence on many levels that this happened. At Justin, Disney I'm trying world. to, I, I'm trying to imagine, like imagine you're going through that security. Cause you go through it multiple times. You've been through there multiple times. Like, and then yes. like, what, <laughs> what, what would you do? Like if you're say, if you're, you know, someone gets stopped for a bag search as you're going in and they're just like, Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Or madam, you're not allowed to bring this gun on Disney property. Like what do they do? <laughs> do they, do, do the armed guards come out? Like, do they turn it into a, a fire drill? Uh, the reason I ask, is I would assume. A, yeah. 
uh, we had a story. I just posted a Discord. I should have uh, should have told you about this earlier. But while I was in Vegas, thank God I didn't fly home from Vegas last weekend. Which, by the way, great show. I listened to it. Uh, thank you, Daniel, for uh, for showing me what a good host really should, co-host should be. Um, but uh, when I was in while I was driving back from Vegas, someone uh, someone stormed the line, the security line at the airport. So thank God I didn't fly. And they had a complete meltdown and panic. Um, at the airport, they had to empty the airport and, you know, uh, there, uh, uh, there was approximately 10 loud banging noises in the ticketing area, hundreds of fright, frightened citizens leaving. And, uh, but basically some, somebody got mad at TSA, I guess. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, I don't know, got pissed and walked through it. And then people got very upset because a, a lot of flights were delayed. They had to like re- you know, re re sweep the entire area and put the, uh, the the barriers back up and stuff like that. So it was crazy. But uh, but I'm imagining something like that at Disney, right? Like uh, where someone's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, sir, you can't have this gun in line. You can't get it, go into Disney with this gun." Like how panicked uh, uh, how panicked of a response versus uh, what happened in Vegas, like in the security breach. Well, I think what you're describing is the difference between bureaucracy and a private company. Exactly. Uh, I don't know how Disney would handle a 15 year old with a gun, right? Because that's, let's not forget, it's not like an adult, right? Imagine you scan a backpack and the 15 year old brings it over and there's a gun, right? Although at that yeah. point, I would think, I don't know how the, so they look at like little iPads. When you're walking between those two columns, they're looking at iPads. So presumably the iPad notifies them, right? that there's an issue, but also yeah. I'm guessing they can see shapes. So I would guess the person looking at the iPad would tell the bag handler, Hey, be careful of this. And I'm sure they have other more armed guards to come over. Right. Yeah. But they do yeah. take the people and they put them in a different area. Right. So you keep going straight and you go through the, the front gate, the main gate, if you don't have anything. And then they kind of siphon you off to the, to the right, if they need to go through your bag. So they, they probably don't panic and they probably have procedures in place. But there's probably extra urgency when there's a gun, A, and B, when it's a 15-year-old who has it. So I'd actually be interested to see how they handled it. But, I mean, the fact that we're even having this discussion about a 15-year-old, I mean, that speaks volumes to me. Of course, William, let's not, let's not just leave it here in, in Florida, right? Let's go back to California, where you're from. And this story yeah. didn't take place far from where you live or where you used to live, right? Actually, no, you still live in Lawndale, right? Uh, yes, sir, in Dale's Lawn. Lawn. Yeah, this this story was not far from you. Yeah, right so, up to 110. This is one of the things I love where they call it a Los Angeles 7-Eleven, right? That's not Los Angeles, Yeah. <laughs> But to everywhere else in the country, it is because Los Angeles is such a large area, right? Yeah. I mean, it goes yeah. all the way from um, San Pedro all the way up to Topanga Canyon, right? It's crazy that people think all of that is Los Angeles. So the greater Los Angeles area, there was a flash mob where, I mean, William, my first reaction to this story was sort of, you know how in the Borg they're like, they've adapted or they've learned? Like, that's what I thought of with this. I was like... Why aren't people doing this more often? And that's not me supporting this behavior or encouraging this behavior, but it clearly works, especially in an area like Los Angeles. So a quote-unquote flash mob swarmed a 7-Eleven off the 110 near the Torrance, 
Lawndale area, and it was just a massive, essentially, looting. So here's some, some quotes. Security camera video showed the large group gathering outside the store. Inside, the situation quickly turned into mayhem when dozens of people emptied shelves, threw snacks and beverages, and left with merchandise. Police described the scene as flash mob looting. At least two people jumped over the front counter and threw items to the others in the crowd. A store employee, a store employee decisively outnumbered, hid in a back room of the store, fearing for his life, police said. And just an aside, William, I do not blame that employee. Like, I think that yeah, was the rational either. response there. Like, what are you supposed to do? But that's really the point here. And then here's here we go. No arrests were reported early Thursday. We really want to prevent this from becoming a new trend where they think they show up and take over a street or freeway or any part of the city that they're just going to be able to do whatever they want, said LAPD Detective Ryan Moreno. Street takeovers have been an ongoing problem in parts of Los Angeles as large crowds gather at intersections to perform donuts and other stunts. The crowd at Monday's takeover moved from Figueroa Street and El Segundo Boulevard to the nearby 110 freeway and blocked lanes, police said. Street takeovers have been an ongoing problem in parts of Los Angeles, right? And they're saying they don't want this to be a new trend. Well, yeah, they shut down that bridge. They shut down that bridge, the new bridge in in East L.A. They shut down the new bridge in East L.A. because people were just doing donuts on it. So, And I understand why they shut it down. But that is my question about all of this, about this story. Here's the farce for me. How do you deal with this? And what I mean by this, they're saying we really want to prevent this new trend. The new trend being these street takeovers. Well, William, when I lived in Florida, in California, and even now in Florida, I used to think people can break traffic laws whenever they want because there's so many people that police aren't going to be able to arrest all these people or properly punish them, right? And in Florida, it's so many people speed that clearly not enough is being done or there aren't enough police to address the problem. So street takeovers already exist in L.A. The, the rules aren't followed. The laws aren't followed. So isn't this yeah. just a logical extension of seeing what happened during all the George Floyd riots when people saw that that worked. If you get a large enough group of people together, how are they going to stop you unless they bring out, you know, physical force of the police and military? And that's my question, William. With the growing rampant narcissism in our culture, how do you properly enforce laws? Because part of enforcing laws is not just the police saying, hey, don't speed. Hey, don't get in a large group and rob the 7-Eleven. It's understanding that when you go in a public space, it's shared, and that's why the social contract exists. But when people are so narcissistic that they no longer engage in the social contract, what do you do as a culture? And also, that's kind of the argument against anarchy, isn't it? Isn't the argument against it that people are always going to devolve into this narcissism and the social contract's going to be broken down without a force to enforce the social contract? Yeah. Well, you know, Adam Crowley was talking about this in the context of COVID restrictions, right? He's like, you know, there's not enough enforcement out there. I mean, maybe now at the IRS, there's enough enforcement out there. It was, what, 80, was it 87,000 or some ridiculous number of new enforcement people? But, um, but yeah, there's not, this is part of the social contract, right? Like, like with, we, we have tons of behaviors that we just take for granted that are just part of being 
uh, in a civilization, you know, in a, in a, uh, you live in a society. We need that meme. Um, <laughs> we, and, we do need Jared Leto's Joker saying we live in a society. We need that drop. Yeah, we do. We do. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just a, you know, you're talking about, you know, you feel for this guy, uh, the poor Seven Eleven worker, he did the, the rational thing. You know, we've, I feel like I he is to. us. I read this story yeah. and I feel like he represents <laughs> us. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there's some people that run into danger and there's, and, and, and there's other people that are like, this is not worth it. And I, I absolutely agree. This is not worth it. I mean, I would be uh, super pissed if there was a flash mob uh, at, at any business uh, that, that I happen to frequent um, like this. And uh, I'm not sure what I would do, Justin. It would be, it would be so horrifying to see. And, it's uh, it, it's such a breach to me. It makes me very angry, right? Because it's such a breach of, uh, what it means to that. You know, I I grant people that I have this benevolent sort of default for for people, right? And when you break that, it just it, to me it's it's uh, both enraging and um, and also very disappointing, right? There's a there's a there's a like you've not lived up to your side of the bargain, right? To a part of being human. Oh yeah, completely. I understand that. And these are adults. These are adults. I mean, as I teach, I do get disappointed, frustrated because kids don't understand that at all. Right. When they're in school, especially in, in public school, the way it is after the pandemic, they really don't understand their sort of responsibility. And when you, you, you say that word, you sound like such a, you know, a stodgy adult, right? So I get exactly where you're coming from with adults, right? Because it's even, I, I have even less patience for adults in public anymore breaking the social contract because I see it with the kids and, and trying to teach them. And then you go out and you see the adults do it and you go, well, how are we ever going to teach kids and get away from where we're going if you go out in public mm-hmm. and the adults act this way? I mean, just on a minimal level, William, I don't understand when you're in public, in a shared space, and you can probably understand this, you were just in Las Vegas, right? You're in a shared space like an airport or Disney, and people are walking, and they will just stop in the middle of the walkway. Yeah. They don't even, like, uh, I was raised, or I've always gone to the side, right? If I need to check my phone or figure out where I'm going, and you're on a sidewalk, don't you move to the side? Imagine doing people that in a row. stop in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> imagine doing that, doing that on the 110. <laughs> Oh, well, my GPS stuff works. So I'm just going to stop in the middle of the left lane and uh, wait People for my GPS. People do it, though. Reconnect. Yeah, 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 they do. Or the, or, or the uh, something I love, if we're going to talk about driving, you know you need to be the right-hand lane, but you turn into the left lane, left-hand lane and then cut across three lanes to get into the right-hand lane? Ah, uh, the Los Angeles special. Everywhere does it now, though. Everywhere does it. I mean, I will say that is the number one disappointment moving to Florida is I thought a lot of this would improve and it's not as bad, but it's still present. And maybe it's just the people moving from those kind of places. Uh, yeah. Well, you get the snowbirds out in Florida and a lot of those come from New York, right? So they got the, well, the right. New York driving it, style. Yes. It's a lot of the New York driving style and also the Puerto Rican driving style. Cause there's a lot of people who come here from Puerto Rico as well. So there's, there's a mix. There's not really a Florida driving style, but the point is when we're talking about this flash mob, it's it's so interesting to me how we have extreme examples of what's wrong in our culture and nobody pays attention to it in that way. 
right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we are, we've talked about this before, and I believe it was Daniel Hall always brings it up, right? Politics is downstream from culture. And that's sort of one of the underwriting principles of the midside, yeah. right? This is the culture. This is the culture, and this is a result of the culture. And nobody looks at it that way. They try to fix it and say, well, we need more police or something like that. No, these are people who... I don't know if you can ever get these people back. They're going to do this now and you have to deal with this. How do you make it so in 10, 20 years, this doesn't keep happening? Well, you uh, have them all watch, uh, watch She-Hulk, right? And learn the, how to, how to participate in a, in a civilization. <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting you say that cause you're trying to transition me here, but it's the exact opposite. Shows like She-Hulk only <laughs> add to the problem. Am I wrong? Tell me if I'm wrong. You're 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 100 correct. Of course, William. My degree from FU says you are 100 percent correct. Yeah, you're 100 percent correct. My degree but from says it's you. Says I'm 100 percent correct. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, look at the conversation about She-Hulk this week. And granted, I'm not on social media as much as I used to be. I used to be on social media all the time. I'm not really on it anymore just because I'm so busy with teaching and coaching. But the response to She-Hulk on the internet this week was insane to me. The people that legitimately think that if you removed men from human history and from human society, things would get better necessarily. The key word here is necessarily and that men are the cause of all the problems in the history of the world is insane to me. And there's one scene floating around that shows to me how insane this perspective is on a personal level. And just to give people an idea of how bad this scene is, right? And by the way, it's to the point that I don't even need to watch these shows anymore. Remember way back, William, with Winter Soldier when I said all this was coming? Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. I don't even we should need pull to pull the clip sometime for, yeah, for a best of and just uh, just pull 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 that discussion from the from the archives. We could have predicted a scene like this was coming, right? We could have predicted eventually. I mean, you know what I cringe at even more now? Uh, in the, the Black Panther trailer, which they show constantly in theaters, they show it almost as much as the Smile trailer and almost as much as the Avatar trailer. When uh, that girl uh, hits out the iron heart of the suit she's making, I cringe yeah. every time I see that, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's you said it. They're going so far to bring this social justice side of Marvel out that it's insane. And you could have predicted this was coming. And this position, this scene, it, it's not even creative. It's not even interesting. It's just the most bare bones, bald example of just throwing your ideology in there without even trying to create an interesting story or conflict. And, and before the show, you were testing this drop, and I was so worried you were going to play the whole 52 seconds, because I've seen it like <laughs> two times already, and it's, it's painful to watch. Well, it's painful well, we, to watch with how to I wasn't going to subject myself to it uh, a second time, but for the show, we will both subject ourselves to it. We, we are going to we're gonna clench our teeth and our butt cheeks. And, and, yeah, and, and hold our vomit in. 
for this. So hold on a moment in so you all can deal with the pain with us. No, Trigger it's, it's important Trigger to pay warning. attention to this. Trigger <laughs> Trigger no, it, William, before you play, it's important to pay attention to these things. This is not well written, but it's interesting, not because it's meant to be interesting, but it's interesting because of what they're showing without realizing it. So go ahead, William. But we can't pretend like we are two of the few people on Earth that can actually protect her which is why we have to make sure of your ability to tolerate the stress and regulate your emotions, especially your anger. Well, here's the thing, Bruce. I'm great at controlling my anger. Mm. I do it all the time. When I'm catcalled in the street, when incompetent men explain my own area of expertise to me, I do it pretty much every day because if I don't, I will get called emotional or difficult or might just literally get murdered. So I'm an expert at controlling my anger because I do it infinitely more than you. So all of this just feels like projecting a lot of shit onto me. See? No, I'm doing this. Okay, this is completely new territory. (laughs) So William, this is a take on the traditional dynamic of these type of stories where yeah. the original character who has the powers tries to mentor the character who gets the powers. Except the right. point here is women are better able to handle these powers than men because women walk around controlling their anger all day, whereas men don't. So something okay. I'm going to sidestep and not deal with is if you're carrying around anger all day, that is a psychological issue on your part. I'm not even going to address that. Just that that that's not the natural state of being. Now, their response right. is going to be, oh, you're not supposed to. That's the point that women have to deal with anger. But the, 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 the key part of this, William, is the examples she listed. The catcalling. This is an Internet meme that suddenly became a serious point. Yeah, there is not an epidemic of catcalling. And I know they're going to tell me I'm gaslighting right now. Oh, you're gaslighting. <laughs> Go and talk to the average woman and ask her if she's catcalled. Now, William, I know you're gay, and I am going to talk about my wife, so I have a high opinion of my wife, but I think my wife is in the upper percentages of good-looking women. Do you think I'm being... I think that's a fair, objective assessment. Yes, yes. Okay. She goes out in public. She does things where she works out in public, or she goes shopping, right? And, you know, in California, she would be out and about in Hollywood often, right, working out or hanging out with her friends. She does not have that many stories of being catcalled or hit on to the fact that the other day somebody came up to her and asked her out and she had to say she was married. And she told me about that because it does not happen that often. So the idea that this idea of catcalling, remember the videos we talked about on this show where somebody would walk around and and talk about it happening and act like it's a big deal. Somehow that's become like, oh, this is what women deal with all the time. You go out in public and men are just shouting at you constantly. And also, William, I don't know about you, but I've dealt with people saying things to me in public or people Mm -hmm. doing things to me in public. I mean... I was working at Walmart one summer when I was in college and an old guy touched my ear and asked me when my parents let me out. Do you think I let that um, bias my perspective of old men or gay people? Or I just thought that (laughs) old dude was a fucking creeper. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
Sorry, I was laughing. I'm, I'm I've never told old, that story before. The old man before. from Family Guy, you know? He was basically is, the old man though. from Family Guy. Yeah. He was. I dealt with the old man from Family Guy. But I took it as that's that guy. And don't get yeah. me wrong, we have a lot going on right now where there are people who, you know, we're, we're losing our ability to interact, right? And we don't know how to deal with these things. I mean, look at the rise of incel, incel culture on the internet, right? Yeah. This is a legitimate problem, right, among men. There's no doubt. But to act like that's the way it's always been and to act like this is a problem that, yeah. again, is isolated to women and maybe more extreme with women and more often because men tend to be the aggressors. And then the second point, the second point of having people who don't know what they're talking about and are more incompetent than you explaining things to you, William, I don't know about you, but that's been my entire fucking life. Any yeah. situation I've been to, except for now it's starting to be at this point that people are listening to me and not explaining things to me. It took till this age, right? I'm almost 40 and teaching public school in Florida, right? When I grew up in Massachusetts, I was in Clemson. I was in California. Every place I went, people would tell me how wrong I was. And still to this day, I'll write a story and people tell me how bad it was. And I look at the points they're saying and I go, none of these points have any validity. Yeah. Is Do you have that experience too? Yep. Yep. In my professional life, uh, it's quite often. Um, but, you know, I've had, I've had people uh, argue with me about, uh, about uh, implementation of some policy and, They'll say, well, this is not what it was intended. And I was like, I, I had to pull the baller move finally. Because I was trying to argue with them for reason, but I had to bring out the argument from authority because this person was just not listening to me. I had years ago wrote the policy he was arguing with me about when I worked at a certain three-letter agency. I, I literally had to say, no, 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 I know what the intent is. I helped write this policy. Like, <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And this all reminds me of, William... The remember when we talked about the article about ending pride and we talked about how like the experiences a lot of gay people go through, right? Or whatever. I mean, I don't know, whatever label you want to use. Okay. I don't care what fucking label you want to use, but they act like their experiences are so different and there are certain unique things. And we talked about that, right? And there are certainly unique experiences to being a woman, just like there are unique experiences to being a man, which I think we'll get into in a second here. But we are nowadays, because of social justice, ironically, because of collectivism, trying to bring us all together and group us together based on, you know, race or gender or ethnicity or whatever you want to say. We are acting like we don't all share the same experiences on some level and it's driving us apart. I mean, why here? Think about this. Think about this. Let's just talk about this scene, and I don't know what happens in the rest of the show, right? Oh, I'll, I'll give you a hint when you when you when you're well, ready. You for have that, a theory, you. yeah. You're I have a theory, that. and I know some. I know something about the scene right before this, Justin, that will make you uh, uh, apoplectic. Okay, so let me let me try and be rational here for a minute before you make me get angry, right? Because uh, I don't know how to control my anger because I don't spend all day, every day controlling my anger, especially when I'm driving, right? God, you want to see somebody control their anger? It's me driving. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, um, he's trying to forge a partnership with her, right? To save this girl, right? He said, we need to save her. We're the only two who can. And rather than her responding to it and say, hey, I understand what you're saying and I understand your concern and 
I understand why you're asking, but yeah, I am really equipped at handling this, right? Uh, here's why I'm really equipped at handling this, and I'm going to demonstrate it to you. She is aggressive at him. Do you get what I'm saying, William? She yeah. gets really angry at him, and she's passive aggressive about right. it. Right, and even if it's not at cre- him, even if it's not at him, let's be let's let's give it the, even the most charitable interpretation. Even if it's not at him, hostile, it's hostile putting undue. Yeah, it's putting undue emotional burden on this other person, right? You're taking right. your anger and you're expressing it in a in a sort of unhealthy way, and it's and it's it's like putting your emotional baggage on someone else, even if you know in the right. most charitable reading. A hundred percent. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm being charitable and I'm saying this is an example of interpersonal hostility, not dealing with the person in front of you as the person in front of you. Right. It's unjust, which is ironic because she's a lawyer. Right. She's being unjust to the Hulk. She's taking everything she's gone through. And, you know, we've already delegitimized that. But let's re-legitimize it, right? Let's say, okay, this is an extreme thing she's been through. She's she's experienced intense injustice at the hands of many men. Well, collectivism is saying, well, he's a man, so she's taking it out on him. But that's unjust to him. And how is that going to help their partnership for saving this girl going forward? So not only are you hurting your relationship with Bruce Banner, you're also hurting both of your ability to save whoever is in distress simply by not handling this conversation in a helpful way. And this is a character who's supposed to be a professional. She's an attorney at law. And mm-hmm. I'm assuming she's a sort of high-powered attorney because you're not going to make a superhero character a low-level attorney, right? Same thing with Matt Murdock. He's a high-level attorney, right? He's very good at what he does. So this doesn't even make sense from a, a writing standpoint, a maturity standpoint, a writing standpoint. None of it makes sense. All because well, they're trying to force people to believe something. Well, and it gets worse, Justin, from from the reviews I've watched, because I know you haven't watched the movie. I haven't watched the movie yet. From the reviews I've watched in the movie. The, show, the, it's not a movie. Or the show, show sorry. Uh, is The skeleton of it is uh, she is decided that, uh, like, the powers are no obligation to her, which I guess is kind of individualistic, and that she doesn't need to be a superhero. She could just be a lawyer. She can just do what she wants to do. So it's kind of that I don't a feminist. That, actually. I, okay, I need to do I, but in the scene, like, like let's look at this in the in the art in situ, right? With the art, right? Meaning, she's preaching to the Hulk, the Hulk who's watched like half his friends die, right? In Endgame, right? It has been through this incredible journey of learning how to control his anger, right? And being so destructive and, and uncontrollable. Remember, like Hulk is like a. You know, at the beginning, Hulk is uncontrollable, right? And and dealing with you know all all the things that the Hulk has gone through, and she's preached to him about anger management, right? About how she's right. an twenty years anger of anger management. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Let's that that's that's that. But that's not the worst part. In situ, in the art, the worst part is I think I I, I think it's either a, the scene right after this or the scene right before this. Someone that they have a cat call scene. Okay, but it's not even a cat call. It's like someone trying to start a conversation that would have possibly led to like, hey, can I get your number sort of conversation? Right. And she turns into the Hulk and threatens the dude and looks like she's going to hit him. And we've already seen earlier in the movie her like throwing boulders farther than Bruce Banner, you know, being basically that she's stronger than Bruce Banner. Right. Okay. 
So let's think about that in situ. She just threatened to assault someone and she has superpowers. That's like, she would kill him, right? Like if she punched the dude, she would have, it, he, it would have liquefied the dude, right? Like basically the, what I'm trying to say is in the scene right before this, I think it's the scene right before this from the reviews I've, I've heard. Um, she, she threatens someone who is basically raking up the nerve to ask her for her number. So William, I don't know if you knew this explicitly, maybe you know this implicitly because you know me so well, but this actually strikes at something very important to me. And it doesn't make me angry because I've, I've properly dealt with it, but I'm going to share something incredibly personal right now. And I think I've mentioned on the show before that I have gone through therapy. I've done therapy and I found it incredibly helpful Maybe just because that's the place where somebody would deal with me rationally and honestly, right? Where my therapist, she would just let me express what I wanted to and then talk about it with me. And one of the first things I dealt with is literally this, this scene that you just described, because let's not forget, William, we act like this is a new thing, right? In our culture. No, this messaging has been going on since at least the nineties when I was growing up, right? And I legitimately had a fear in me, and I hope that people listening, and you can see I'm still kind of insecure about this, uh, don't laugh at me or think I'm absurd for having held this fear, but I legitimately had a fear that, and I'm not saying the fear was legitimate, I'm saying I actually had this fear, this is real, that if I approached a woman, or even a woman I knew, if I expressed any interest in her, and expressed any appreciation for or desire for her physically that she would slap me. Mm. And I talked about that with my therapist who was an older woman. I want to be clear about that. And she was like, well, why, why would she do that? And, you know, I explained it to her and talked about all these things we're talking about right now. Right. I mean, think about it. The Hulk, she Hulk, she believes she's justified in threatening him in that way. Right. Oh yeah. She was going to murder a dude. She was going to murder a dude who was going to ask for her her number. Right. And again, this is exaggeration. This is how Marvel uses romanticism to smuggle in naturalism, right? And sort of why Marvel's so insidious here. They're exaggerating the slap, right? Where there are times when it's legitimate for a woman to slap a man. But it got to the point that I believe simply expressing interest would justify that slap. And this is why I understand where incels are coming from, right? Where you believe you are so naturally or inherently flawed or disgusting that women have a right to treat you in that way. And we're to the point now with the idea of masculinity being that way or people see masculinity that way. And so all men are that way. And that's where we are at the show, right? She's acting that way because all men are that way. As we were just saying in the scene with the Hulk, that interpersonal hostility because men treat her a certain way. So all men are treated that way. And you know, the therapist helped me see that, if I am acting rationally and I am acting kindly and I am acting benevolently and benevolently and I don't have interpersonal hostility, that's my phrase, not her. Right. But that's what we discuss. Like what are the ways of approaching someone that way? And what are the ways to express it in a way that's healthy and kind and everything? And obviously I've never been one to approach anything like that in a negative way. Right. I mean, right. you know me, William. I think the listeners who've been around for the show a long time know that I would never, like, it's just not the way I am when I approach people, right? 
I yep. actually I have a problem with teaching where I'm too far to the empathetic side, ironically, where I let these kids get away with stuff almost, not purposely, but I don't want to punish them too much and make them think all authority figures hate them, right? Because I think a lot of the problems is no one respects their rationality. So I don't know necessarily to toe that line. And I would be the same way with other people. And the therapist helped me see that if a woman were to slap you in that situation, she would be the one who is at fault and she would be the irrational one. And then why would you even feel bad about it? Well, it's like, well, everyone saw you got slapped. That's why you feel bad. But, you know, she, of course, helped me see what we all know, right, as individualists and objectivists, William, that you have to not accept the judgment of other people when their judgment is flawed. So knowing in that situation, you have to have the go ahead. Oh, no, I was gonna say you're exactly right. Right. Knowing that you have the self-confidence and self-esteem to be okay in that situation, even though it may seem like at first you're at fault. But that goes Mm -hmm. back to the whole She-Hulk thing, right? My therapist helped me in that beginning, right? That helped me really start to get over the major hurdles I have and become who I am and actually be married. I would not be married without going through that and having that discussion I just shared with you all. Yeah. But She-Hulk is granting legitimacy to that slap. And it's saying the performative nature of that is good because it exposes the toxic masculinity. Do you see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. And it's doing it poorly. To get back to uh, to, to pop up the stack one level for a second, it's doing it yes. poorly because that was their show before the tell, right? And then you get all this preachy nonsense that's exact opposite of, of what they're trying to preach, right? She's saying that, well, I've had to deal with my anger issues for so long, so I, you, obviously I have better control than you. Right. That's the implicit uh, conversation there. But then in the scene right before, she's showing that she almost lost control for for something that was totally harmless. Right. Right. But William, I'm taking that. Uh, I get what you're saying, but I'm taking them. I'm, I'm like you said, let's grant them grant benevolence them. here. Right. Yeah. It's inten- let's, uh, it must be intentional. So that means intentionally they think their hero, their heroine is justified in treating men that way. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? She's channeling her anger into treating men that way. So either it's bad writing mm -hmm. because it contradicts itself or it's bad writing because it's so focused on ideologically um, brainwashing us that it creates a, a fucking unlikable evil character. I think that's the theory that I independently came up with. Tim Pool uh, discussed this on his podcast uh, Tim cast IRL, I think maybe last week or something, or maybe this weekend. I don't know. Um, I'm jet lagged. Don't, don't ask me about time right now. What day is it right now? Uh, anyway. Uh, and I independently thought about this too, cause I, some of the reviews I had uh, seen coming up, uh, cause I knew we were going to talk about this on the show this week. I think this is either the best anti-feminist, uh, TV show on television, uh, on like, iron, like, uh, unironically, right? Like I think it, Either, either this like this must have been written by some sort of like uh, manosphere person, or these writers are just completely incompetent. Because just from all the descriptions I had, and like uh, Tim Pool like breaks it all down, he's like, this is like the worst, like this is the best advertisement for anti-feminism ever. Just the way this character acts, and 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 all the conclusions uh, she draws, all the like uh, man-hating uh, sort of. Like just explicitly made out, right? Like because because like you said, Justin, because they're trying to romanticize it, 
uh, you know, they, they have this bootleg romanticism, right, where they're romanticizing it, but it's still naturalistic. They end up making, they, they end up doing all the things that 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 the uh, anti-feminists point out as being bad in the show. They end up doing it. Right, but as we know in reality, they will hand wave that away, saying it's justified, and that goes back to my discussion with my therapist, where you have to accept that the woman who slaps you, if it's not justified, is the one with issues, right? And then we did talk about past things that happened, and she was explaining the issues that were probably present in the other people, right? And now I feel like any feminist listening to this is going to say that my therapist was a self-hating woman, right? But I mean, I'm going to trust the professional over the people listening. But that's the entire point is these people are incompetent because they're so steeped in their own. And I'm just going to use the word nonsense. Their view of reality is so skewed that they don't understand how bad this really is. So, yes, it does become a litmus test. I don't think this is at all. I don't think this is at all somebody writing an anti-feminist satire piece subversively. I think this is completely people who, in the two examples I put forward, don't think their points are contradictory, and they wrote a contradictory character because they think the woman is justified in treating men that way. Do you get what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, I guess that I, I do, because the, the analogy I made before uh, in my head before I listened to Tim Tim Pool break it down, is I was like, this sounds like someone like imagine you or I sitting down and watching one of the old Nazi propaganda films or Russian prop or current Russian propaganda films. And, you know, in a Russian crowd or a you know Nazi German crowd, that stuff was moving to people, right? But for us, it's you feel nothing but it's sick, sickening, right? You, you just feel right. sickened by it, right? And it has the opposite reaction to us because we, our, our psychology has not been broken by, uh, by by that bad philosophy. And so, like, Correct. for us, it's just, like, it's either unwatchably boring or just incredibly, like, disturbing, right? Like, disturbing and sickening. Right. Right, and I have a feeling if I did watch it, it would be sickening as you're describing. And I think that you just sort of summed it up perfectly. And, I mean... The real question going forward here is, is there going to be anything redeemable in Marvel movies going forward? I mean, because look, the first Black Panther had a lot of redeeming qualities to it. There was a lot of quality to it. But then, you know, it got to the end of like, you know, we're all one human tribe, blah, blah, blah. Right. And, you know, we've seen how bad Multiverse of Madness and Thor Love and Thunder were. So can there be anything good out of Marvel? anymore i mean <laughs> is avatar uh, is avatar 2 gonna have a better uh better moral standing than than uh marvel phase board no because avatar 2 i mean look do we want to go in the avatar 2 discussion because i can tell you what it's going to do already avatar 2 is using the idea of family to bring in collectivism on a different way the trailer ends with uh, nobody's yeah. picked this i don't i don't think i've seen anyone comment on this way the trailer ends with the two blue guys, right? Uh, what's her name? Nefertiti. I don't remember her exact name. And the main character with a little white kid with a, a mask on and the, the voiceover or the dialogue says, no matter what happens, this family will always keep us safe or will always be our home. Right. 
So we're going backwards towards this tribalist because I'm I'm looking at this in the context of the first avatar, which is all about tribalism and one with nature, right? And all about capitalism and progress being evil and and man just looking to to take and destroy rather than create. Right? That's what the first avatar was all about. Well, if you continue that and you add on that line and you add on the intentional visual portrayal of a mixed family with the blue people and the white kid, we see what they're going for here. Yes, William? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's in a fucking 45 second trailer. And has anyone mentioned this? Have you heard anyone say that? No, I haven't. I haven't. Oh, well, that was obvious to me from the first time I saw that trailer. So, no, I don't think Avatar is going to be any any better than this. But I do. I will say that with Marvel, I am interested to see what James Gunn does with Guardians 3 because I think after having watched uh, the Peacemaker series and seeing that James Gunn is just an emotionalist rather than like a full-blown social justice warrior, I think it makes me look more kindly on the Guardians of the Galaxy movies because those are just sort of like he wants to be loved and among a group of people who love him and have a good group of friends but as i just said with avatar 2 that's how the social justice collectivist people use that against these people Mm -hmm. because if they know you want safety and want to be loved they manipulate you into accepting their positions and when we're talking about that way and when we're talking about that manipulation I have to ask you a question because okay. I started to hear a name this week or this year at, since the beginning of the school year from my students. And then all this news broke about this guy online who I've never heard of. And then I've done research and all I can find is a couple articles on this guy. I can't find his actual videos. Who the fuck is Andrew Tate? <laughs> That's a fascinating question. Um, I guess the best way to explain him is he's uh a fighter, right? Former fighter. Uh, started, but the research uh, I saw said he only ever had two fights. I know, but he started a social media grift very early. And then he kind of went into the uh, self-help sort of grift where, uh, you know, he's like, you know, join, pay me lots of money and then you will get rich and have lots of women, question mark. And uh, there are a lot of people, a lot of YouTubers have been covering him uh, since, uh, I guess, towards the end of last year. I've been seeing it. Uh, Turkey Tom has a great uh, hour-long video if you want to want to watch and get all the details. He's done all the research and uh, and sort of gathered all the controversies around the around the guy. Uh, maybe I'll post a link to Discord uh, of Turkey Tom's breakdown. But yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those weird parts of the internet that suddenly bubbled up into the culture, which uh, is uh, is fascinating in itself. But yeah, he's all over the place this week. Well, he's all over the place because he's been branded, self-branded, a misogynist, and then others have called him a dangerous misogynist. And because yeah, of it... Because you have a lot of people... Did you mean to play that? Nope, sorry. I was searching and it accidentally turned it on. My bad. Oh, was that actually him? Uh, yes, that was actually him. Uh, I was I was grabbing the link for the Turkey Tom video, and of course, YouTube started playing immediately when I uh, did that. And since I'm not on my normal setup, it uh, it caught it on the microphone. Oh, I thought you were going to play the "Don't Be a Beta" video because he kind of sounds like that kind of person. Oh, he does. He does. That that, that, that would have been better, you know, to 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 do that. But uh, never be a beta. Just never ever do it. It is death. Right, and that that that's what he sounds like to me, but. 
you know, other people have been taking him very seriously and he's been banned from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok for his statements. Now, some of his statements he said, you know, that rape victims bear responsibility for their attack. This is the old discussion, William, of um, you can never say they're responsible for their attacks, but you have to put yourself in as safe of a position as possible. And I'm sure he yeah. said it in an uneloquent way, in an ill-eloquent way. Um, yeah. And then he also said, like, I'm a realist, and when you're a realist, you're a sexist. There's no way you can be rooted in reality and not be a sexist. I'm sure there he's trying to, quote-unquote, take the word back, right? Which, again, this is where you're talking about grift. He's not actually thinking through what he's saying. And, you know, unfortunately, this plays into the She-Hulk type stuff, right? This plays into the incel type stuff where it gives people, you know, the social cachet, the evidence to say, oh, well, this is how toxic masculinity is. But unfortunately, I can't properly I can't properly assess this guy. I can't properly have an opinion on him because it's like they're trying to scrub him from the internet. And that's what worries me about this, William. He's as is, bad as Alex Jones, apparently. And you have gotta well, wonder, right? Like if if he's as if he's worth all this trouble, right? Because remember, Alex Jones was worth all that trouble, right? Apparently. Uh, if he's worth all this trouble, like how popular was he really getting? Like that's the only thing. Right? He's got to be some sort of threat to the establishment if they're they're wasting all this time on it. Because Justin, how many misogynistic videos can I find on TikTok? Right. Like, give me five minutes. Right. 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 Well, the whole pickup artist community. Oh, right? I yeah. Mean, if we're talking about whole misogyny. Swaths. Yeah, yeah. Whole swaths right. of the internet. Right. Right, and that's not to say there's no va- validity. And there's no value in the pickup artist community. But, I mean, you can make an easy line between Mystery, the pickup artist who had the show, you know, the reality show about creating the next pickup artist, and this Andrew Tate guy. That that line is a very direct line there. But that guy's never been canceled. He hasn't been kicked off the internet. He was on TV. He had a show. Now, oh, that's what was wrong with our culture back then. Okay, we can have that argument. But that's not what's scary about this. What's scary about this is completely taking him off the internet and what that leads to, as William said, I go to a worse place than William went, right? I go to a more, I don't want to say worse. I go to a more extreme position than William went to because not only is it that he has a lot of followers, not only is it that people are listening to him, there's got to be something about his message that's true that's bothering them. Yeah. Yeah. Because if somebody has a lot of followers and is a nobody, they don't care, right? They don't care if you're saying stuff that does nothing to anyone. There are plenty of accounts out there that are just stupid meme accounts that have billions of followers that nobody is saying anything about because the content's stupid. So to me, I look at this and I go, well, what do you not want me to see? What is it you don't want other people to see? Do you understand why I asked that question, William? Yeah. And, and if anything, I like, what is, what do they think is going to happen? And what I mean by that is look at, they tried to, they tried to uh, scrub Alex Jones from the internet. And if anything, it's just made him a household name, right? I think more people know and, and, and have a, 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 a distorted, but like not, not what the mainstream media wants them to have view of Alex Jones, Right. Alex Jones is a, one of the most popular guests on, on a bunch of people's podcasts, right? 
people want well, to hear what he has to say now because it's, he's been deemed not uh, not uh, you know deemed a heretic. So now everyone wants to know what he what he has to say about anything. And, and to make your point about Andrew Tate, I want to know what he has to say now. And yeah, let's get him on the show. Book him. <laughs> I would have never known who he was before my students starting saying his name. Oh, let's debate Andrew Tate. I know who Andrew Tate is. William, name one other person who was on the British version of Big Brother. I don't know any of them, yeah. Right, you can't. Because why in my life would I ever care about a, a, a guy who was in two kickboxing matches in Britain and was on the British version of Big Brother? I would never in my life care about that as an American sitting here in Florida. I would never. But these people blew him up. And by trying to cancel him, you make it so people know more about him. More people know him. And it creates a curiosity. Now, me personally, personally, am I ever going to go out of my way? No. But I'm also in a much different place in my life now. 20 years ago, William, I might have gone down the rabbit hole to figure out who this guy is. Just like I went yeah. down the rabbit hole and read the mystery method and watched the pickup artist and, and read the game and the follow-up novel to the game. Right? Because they highlighted those people and then they told me how bad those people were. So I was like, oh, I'm interested in what these people have to say. And I took what was good and I threw out what was bad. And there are yeah. going to be plenty of people who are 20 years old or in high school or in their mid-20s and in their early 30s who are going to look into this guy now. All right, I think that brings us to a good end of life on the midside here. So let's do a, a quick art segment, even though we sort of already had an art segment in here. But hopefully in this episode, you see how we can't disintegrate art from life. And right. we'll talk about some stuff that came out recently in The Hopeful Bromantic with JML. Put me into syndication, broadcast to a network station of people viewing their favorite episodes. I can't find a new pitch to throw the studio. I need a rerun to better cast the next series of events. In the air timeline lapse, my major TV type was written off. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. Scroll to midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast. Click on any episode link, and in there is the join link. We'd love to hear from you. Share some farce with us so we can put that farce on the show. Or, you know, tell us what you think of the trailers we post. Tell us what you think of the trailers we post for Trailer Takedown. This week, William, I saw Beast. Beast is the movie starring Idris Elba, it, where he goes to Africa, to South Africa, with his two teenage daughters. And a lion has gone rogue due to poachers. And he has to defend his family from the lion. Here is my one-sentence letterbox review of the movie. If you can survive the bumpy terrain on the way to the promised climax, Beast has a conclusion worth contemplating. What I mean by this is I wanted to see this movie because it was Idris Elba fighting a lion. 
And, you know, I'm so used to horror movies and Hollywood that I thought there would be a lot of, like, scenes of Idris Elba, fight, like, literally fighting a lion. But that's not what this movie is. This movie is Idris Elba trying to figure out how to deal with a situation he's been put in that it is likely he and his children will die, especially because he's estranged from his children. And it builds towards, this entire movie builds towards the physical confrontation between Idris Elba and the lion. On the way, in that build, it's not always great. There's some stuff about poachers and everything, right? Getting on their high horses. Not the poachers, the the riders getting on their high horses about how poaching is bad and, you know... It doesn't really give a fair hearing to that discussion. Not that I'm pro-poacher, but I'm just saying, if you want to do a, an anti-poaching movie, you can do it better than this, right? But they need a rationalization for why the lion's gone crazy. There's stuff about him being a surgeon and having to help people who've been wounded by the lion. There's interactions with his daughter. There's flashbacks to his wife, who has died of cancer years prior So there's a lot of sort of uneasy stuff here. But when you get to the climax, uneasy, uneven stuff. But when you get to the climax and you you realize, because there's two things about this climax. And I mean, I guess hit the spoiler button here. There's walkers in the barn and Lori's pregnant. I'm not going to say exactly the solution here. But when you get to the end here. And you realize that he does what he does because he's using his brain to overcome nature. You look back at the rest of the movie and you go, well, maybe this movie isn't as naturalistic as it seems. Maybe the whole point of this movie is a man trying to figure out his family and immediate situation and figure out the best way to help his daughters, who are his ultimate value, survive. And I do think that that's the intended point of the movie. It just doesn't always get there the the best way possible. Uh, and I will say this final comment. When he actually fights the lion is when this becomes a horror story. Because, William, if a man were to actually fight a lion, would it be a fight? No. And It would be over very quickly. And... This isn't a spoiler because I'm not telling you the outcome, but he doesn't really fight the lion, if you get what I'm saying. Like, he physically confronts the lion, but it is horrific as it sounds. It is as horrific as it sounds. It is literally one of the most horrific things I've ever seen in a movie. I was like, okay, well, he's going to fight the lion. And I thought they were going to romanticize it, right? Like, I thought this was going to be like... Captain America or Iron Man or, or Batman, right? Let me just say this more. Batman, like Ben Affleck. I thought this was going to be like, if Ben Affleck's Batman fought a lion, what would you expect? I would expect uh, it to be a close fight, but, uh, you know, Bruce Wayne will, uh, will win through technology and, and cunning. Right. But you would expect, like, when Batman fought Superman, right? Like, he was able to break a, like a, a sink over his back, Right. Right. So you would expect something like that. And that's what I thought it would be, but it wasn't really, it was what you like, if you really thought 
a dude fought a lion, what it would look like. That's what it looked like. And that's what I mean where the movie can seem naturalistic, but when you think through what they're actually going for, I think they were actually going for this was a man trying to use his brain to figure out how to protect his family. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's it's tough when you're doing romantic realism. And I think they were trying to go for that. It's just not always the best. So I give this a solid middle of the road, bro. I don't think you need to go out of your way to see this movie. But, you know, if it's on TV or on a streaming service and you're looking for something to watch, you're not going to have the worst time ever. You're not going to have the worst time ever. All right. Now that we've talked about a movie that just came out, let's talk about movies that are going to come out and trailer take down. I post the trailers in Discord on Saturday. So you can go in and you can watch them when you want. Maybe you want to listen to the episode and us talk about them and then watch the trailers. Maybe you want to watch the trailers and then we talk about them. Or maybe you want to alternate. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Wire Room is one of those movies Bruce Willis made prior to his retirement when he was trying to get as many movies in as possible. It stars him and Kevin Dillon. Uh, Kevin Dillon is working in a wire room in which they legally, it was very clear in the dialogue, capture communication between people doing illegal things. Except in this movie, something happens and Kevin Dillon fucks up and Bruce Willis calls him an idiot. And then Kevin Dillon becomes the target rather than the criminal he's tracking. Uh, There was a line in here that seemed to be referencing Die Hard where Bruce Willis was saying like, Oh, it sucks when you become the target and, you know, you weren't intended to be the target. And it was sort of like Die Hard where it's like he got involved when he didn't want to be. Does this look like the greatest movie ever? No. Does this look a lot better than all of the other Bruce Willis movies made prior to his retirement? Yes. So for me, this is a Netflix and hug. Netflix and hug. Yeah, this has a lot of guns and explosions. You'd think that would, that would put it right at the top of the hug list for me. But uh, I was kind of sitting on the fence for this one. It, 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 looks, uh, it looks interesting. Um, I don't know. It just seems like a, maybe a little bit of a stretched premise. But uh, I think it would be worth, uh, like you said, I think it's worth a... Netflix and hug. Second trailer. Wednesday Adams is the Netflix reboot of the Adams family as a series created by Tim Burton. Now, Tim Burton, I acknowledge as one of the most visionary directors that we have in modern America. Uh, His style is unique, and he always brings it to whatever he is creating or adapting. I mean, just look at his Alice in Wonderland adaptation, right? He is doing it in his style, and I appreciate that. However, there is one thing that is very off-putting about this trailer. This trailer is essentially a high school girl story, sort of like Mean Girls, except told through the lens of the Adams Family, which I've never been a big fan of the Adams Family because that that sort of creepy, twisted side of it is very uh, off-putting to me. And I think this trailer makes a huge mistake because... William, I think when we're talking about She-Hulk and the problems with it, I think this is playing to that sort of audience who thinks it's justified to punch a Nazi, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Where if somebody disagrees with you and you think they're evil, it's justifying and giving extreme torture to them. 
because I read some of the YouTube comments and the action I'm about to describe, people in the comments said it was justified because she was protecting her brother, right? Her younger brother, Pugsley, I believe his name is. So the opening to this trailer, which again, I think this was a mistake to put it in the opening of the trailer because I think the second half of this trailer was a lot better than the opening, is Wednesday Adams at a public school and she's been, you know, in and out of a couple schools. And she's going to the swim team and telling them not to pick on her brother anymore. And to do that, she puts piranhas in the pool. And the end of the scene very clearly shows that the piranhas essentially neuter one of the young men. You know, she says he should have never been allowed to have children anyway. And if she were a villain... I would have been okay with this scene, but because she's meant to be seen as a hero, I cannot like the rest of this trailer, but I like the premise. I like the premise of the rest of the trailer where here's a high school sort of like Harry Potter, except dar- darker. The rest of the trailer is sort of like Harry Potter, except darker where here, here's all these sort of like horror children, right? Like she's, um, it's sort of like her parents are horror villains and this is where all the children of horror monsters go to high school that could be an interesting show if told in the style of harry potter like here's magic from the dark perspective rather than harry potter's here's magic from the good perspective especially i use harry potter because as the metaphor as the baseline because harry potter is about finding out who you are and what is good and bad about the world and what you want to do you can do the same thing here where these kids are supposed to come from a perspective, but they have to figure it out themselves. Instead, when you frame it with that opening scene of the piranhas, I can't like this character. As good as the acting is, as good as the directing is, as good as the set design is. And you know what, William? Usually we talk about race casting in, the, in our culture and we say it's bad to race bend and it doesn't work. I think using Hispanics for this worked wonderfully. I think they fit the characters. They looked the characters. They were uh, Louis Guzman, Catherine Zeta-Jones, the young Hispanic girl who played Wednesday. I think they were great. I think there's a lot to like about this. But that opening, that opening is a major, major misfire. And because of it, it's a tackle. Tackle. Justin, you, <clears throat> for the second time, and only the second time, this episode, you're 100% correct. The opening scene ruins it. The only thing I can hope, and I know this is uh, this is uh, me p- trying to put things into the story that are probably not there. The only thing that I can hope is that the parents are horrified about this, right? And sending her to the monster school is a uh, hope at reforming Wednesday, right? If it's if this is a redemption, if she's if, she, if this becomes a redemption and not a justification, justi- like a justified, then I think this this could be turned around, but. In the preview, it's definitely not. And uh, I don't know. I agree with what you said, but the preview celebrates it. Yep, the preview celebrates it. And it it definitely looks like it's on purpose. Um, However, I will give this a chance, but I will pull the ripcord if this is going to uh, make a hero out of these kinds of sort of villainous acts. Because that's not what – that's not what – that doesn't seem very Adams Family to me. Right. Like the the other people they hurt deserve it in a different, in a much more obvious and justifiable way. Right. 
And well, right. I, I mean, this. does bullying mean you should never have children and have your dick bit off by a pariah? Yeah, yeah. It it, it doesn't seem uh, you know we always hear about proportional violence, right? Uh, this seems right. way out of proportion, right? But so this I'm going to give the She-Hulk it, scene you described to me. The yeah. dude, dude wants your number, and you almost murder him. Yeah, it is. It is. So, like I said, I'm going to give this a chance just because I love Tim Burton. I love these kinds of universes, and you know. But like, like you said, like if if this is going to be a, a celebration of this kind of villainy, then it's just going to knock it out for me. So I'm I'm going to give it a very, very light, very light, but questioning hug. hug? Third trailer: The Greatest Beer Run Ever stars Zac Efron as a regular guy, although I did the research and I don't think this is in the movie, but the guy in real life was a former Marine. I just want to make that point. But the movie is framing him as a regular guy who, in response to Vietnam protesters, smuggles beer into Vietnam to give people he knows who were forced to serve beer to show that there are still people who support the troops. Uh, I think this is an interesting story to pick to tell. Uh, it's an action comedy. Uh, I think Zac Efron is a good actor. And all of these things made me want to see this movie. But one thing confused me in this trailer, and I'm going to ask you, William, if you had the same confusion. I thought their accents were all a Boston accent. And then at one point he said he's from New York, and I looked up the story, and the guy's originally from New York. But when I heard the accents they were doing, they were like, I'm going to bring them all a beer. That's a Boston accent. So I don't know if that's an, I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. And maybe that's just because I'm from that area that it really stuck out to me. But regardless of all of that, I think this could be enjoyable. And this is something else Apple TV is putting out now. This is like three things that kind of make me want to subscribe to Apple TV. So good on them with their content. Hug. Hug. Justin, I, I feel the same way. I thought it was a Boston accent, too. And it, I, I wasn't okay, good. confused <laughs> until after the fact. And then I was like, you know, I'm not an expert on East Coast accents. Being from the Midwest, you know, there's a little bit of it all sounds the same at first. You know, you got to, you know, but after living on the East Coast, living in Baltimore for a while, you know, I could I could tell a Southern Maryland accent from a Baltimore accent from an accent from a D.C. accent, you know, like so it, it did. It sounded like Boston accent to me. So you're, you're right. Um, you know. This is, uh, I'll have to give you my login, I guess, to Apple TV is what it comes down to, right, Justin? But, um, uh, can we not the, say that on air right now? Because right now the <laughs> streaming companies are all figuring out their oh, streaming wasn't going to work and they're upping all their prices and everything. And I don't want to, like, uh, have no, a no, lawsuit no. Apple, against me. Apple, Justin will be added to my family. That's how it will work. But anyway, um, I think this is part of a pattern. I just wanted to briefly touch on that, too. You know, Apple's putting out a lot of good things. Now, of course, some of them are going to have some social justice stuff in it and whatever, but they're taking their, they're, they're picking their stories very meticulously. They're, they've taken the opposite sort of, you know, tact of Netflix, which I know Netflix is kind of pulling back from, which, you know, Netflix was just like quickly create as much content as possible, right? The uh, South Park beat, right? Um, uh, and Apple's Hello, Netflix, the exact opposite. Like- yeah. Apple's taking the opposite tact, right? They, they're being, being very deliberate and then investing quite heavily in it. I'm looking forward to the last season of C that's going to be out. I think it's out maybe this week or, or next week. I don't know. I'll see it until I'm done traveling. But, you know, the, with uh, Jason Momoa, um, it's, uh, they're doing a good job. 
right? So, uh, yeah, I think this well, is uh, this was, might be see, worth the money. You've been telling me to watch Ted yeah. Lasso's on, on Apple. Is it Ted Lasso on yeah. there? Or is yeah, that Ted Peacock? Lasso's on there. Yeah, that's on. That's yeah, on Ted uh, Lasso's Apple. supposed to. Uh, people keep telling me about that. Um, this movie looks really, really good. There's the serial killer series where the guy from Kingsman uh, has to go in prison to deal with the serial killer. And then there was another movie that came out recently. I can't remember what it was, but it looks really, really good. We talked about it on here. Do you remember what it was? I don't remember. But yeah, they have a bunch of, uh, of interesting content. So I think it's probably worth it. So yeah, TLDR, I'm definitely hugging. Hug. Final trailer. Bandit is a bank robbery movie starring Josh Dumal and Mel Gibson. Josh Dumal plays a bank robber who's really, really good at what he does. But he tries to maintain a relationship with Elisha Cuthbert, which if there's one good thing I have to say about this trailer, it's, hey, I'm glad Elisha Cuthbert's in a major movie again. She's kind of disappeared since 24 decades ago, two decades ago, whenever that was. So it's good to see her again. But William, tell me something. Tell me something to tell me I'm wrong. But this movie seems like it's been done before. A million times. Oh, here's a bank yeah. robber who's trying to go straight, but it's one more time. Do what he does. Just one more job. It's like the cliche is the line. The cliched line is in the in the trailer. Right. I mean, why would I not just go watch The Town again, starring Ben Affleck? Isn't that a better version of this? And hasn't this been done a billion times before? So there's just nothing unique about this besides the cast that makes me want to watch this one. And I guess his disguises, whoever does the costuming and makeup, the disguises were pretty good too. Tackle. Yeah. Tackle. Yeah, I think I could watch a better version of this movie. There's nothing that, I I agree with you, there's nothing that draws me to this movie. This is an easy tackle. Tackle. All right, William, that brings us to the end of this trip. What did we learn? I learned that uh, gun safety is not taught in Alabama. Justin, (laughs) what did you learn? Uh, I learned that for once you're going to be watching a show and telling me if I should watch it when you watch Wednesday Addams, because I I can't after that first. I'm just going to watch the rest of Lock and Key and other stuff. And if, I mean, you add me to your Apple TV family i'm gonna watch that serial killer show so there's other stuff for me to watch you know where the where the guy's actually trying to catch the serial killer right and get him to confess i'd rather watch that than the one about the piranha cutting off guys dicks biting off guys dicks so have fun with that one (laughs) all right i want to thank everyone for listening if it wasn't for you this would just be me talking in the corner of my closet like a crazy person i mean it still is that but i feel a little less less crazy Right. If you want to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash Locals. Or you can pick up some merch on the midside.com slash store. That's how we keep the lights on. I just had to pay for the renewal of the website. If it wasn't for you all, I wouldn't do that because they charge too much for that nowadays. Uh, and if you want to grow this show even more, the best way to do that is tell a friend. Please, please, please tell a friend. Let's start doing that again. We need to grow the show some more. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emlesneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have an energy inefficient day.
All right, I want to thank everybody for listening. If it wasn't for you, I'm going to take that again because I don't know what that sound I was. I don't know what that was either. <laughs> I feel like we just got in a. Um, uh, that was like a one of those horror movies from uh, you know the orphan or whatever those sound movies are, right? It's what I was doing earlier. It was slowing something down. Whatever, whatever it was, it was slowing something down. That's crazy. Anyway, we'll restart. Here we go. I think I think the Germans are wiretapping everything. Is what it is. I think there's an extra audio feed here. Yeah.